Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a fortnightly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever-confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note, the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Today, Rose, we're talking about something that I think a lot of people have issues with, which is really redness and irritation. So in a way, it's dermatitis, but there are so many different types of dermatitis. And I think sometimes when people are asking, you know, what can I do for this? They first of all need to find out what type of dermatitis it is. And that will also then help to be able to manage it effectively. Correct. Yeah, I have seen quite a bit of dermatitis show up in the clinic in particular since COVID. And we've got some really great strategies in the clinic to help to find a resolution with dermatitis and help to manage the condition. So we don't always need to go down the road of medical intervention. However, there are some really great strategies that you can put in place to help to manage that. For sure. So I think, you know, when do you go to a dermatologist? And, and let's just clarify what dermatitis is because basically it's it's redness and irritation of the skin. It can happen anywhere on the body. Um, but we're really focusing on the face today because, you know, people are looking at their face. It's an area that we're dealing with um, all the time. And I get messages time and time again about can you do more info on in particular perioral dermatitis what about separate dermatitis and so I think it would be good today just to break down the different types because that may help people better manage it at home as well because there's strategies for sure in clinic but also at home too. Yes, and, and the differences in the diagnosis and the different types of dermatitis will determine how we actually treat it in clinic um, and the best way to get, you know, a resolution. It can be quite a debilitating condition for, for clients, um, whether it's perioral or seborrheic, um, you know, or contact dermatitis. It can be a very debilitating, quite painful condition sometimes as well. The inflammation um, can be quite raw you know, so it, it, it's a good condition to treat. I enjoy treating it because I love seeing the changes. Um, it, it's challenging and it can take some time to get a resolution as well, which I think is the most frustrating thing for clients. It's the amount of time that it can actually take. And, and dermatitis in itself is an underlying condition. So it can show up again, um, you know, randomly according to the, the factors that are the triggers for each individual person. So I'm glad we're going to get into that today. Right. Where do you want to start? I think we'll start with perioral. Perioral. So let's talk mm. about that then. So perioral dermatitis is basically when we get redness and irritation around the the mouth. It can also occur around the eyes. This is the one that I think um, can have multiple causes and I think we need to find out what is the trigger and the cause enabled to be able to most effectively treat it because you know sometimes people will get irritation like redness and irritation there could be an element of contact dermatitis involved I've seen it around the eyes when people have got allergies to things like acrylic nails or nail glue um, I've seen it with reactions to lash glue as well I've also seen 
it appear particularly around the eyes when people have got seasonal allergies, so things like pollen and, and hay fever, um, and also when the immune system is compromised as well. So that may be due to general immunosuppression. It may be somebody's on medication that's affecting that. It might also be an actual immune disorder, or it might simply be that that person's really stressed or run down, or they may be nutritionally depleted. So whenever I see that type of reaction, I'll always look at, first of all, you know, stress levels, diet, what could be the cause? Is it external triggers? Is it internal triggers? Triggers, And then also look at nutrient levels as well. Um, I had someone just last week, actually, with redness and irritation around the eyes and said, you know, what's going on? We went through potential allergies, couldn't work anything out. And then I said, you know, have you had your iron and your um, vitamin D levels checked? Because when they're low, that can affect the immune response in the skin as well. And she responded, oh, I've just literally got my results through and they're, they're really low. So, and I've, I've seen it time and time again when we get those levels up and then the skin is better able to respond and we don't you know the redness and irritation will go away so sometimes it can be things that are as simple as that and quite often people have been trying all these different treatments and products to no avail because we need to help to strengthen the immune response of the skin and everything you've said is absolutely spot on so in clinic you know looking at handling these conditions um, from internal support is just as important as what we do in clinic I've seen a lot of periol dermatitis show up in particular since COVID, um, you know, wearing masks, that heat um, and, and that friction that happens with wearing masks, um, all of a sudden we start to develop perioral dermatitis. I uh, see in a, in a lot of my clients that are healthcare workers that are still wearing masks every day, um, you know, it's it can be quite challenging to treat. So if we're managing these things internally, and ensuring that the skin does have adequate nutrients to help the skin to rebuild and reduce inflammation and restore that skin barrier, restore the microbiome. It's a much better way of managing it. Um, and, and looking at topicals is really important with dermatitis as well, because you've really got to take away those actives um, that can be quite irritating on the skin. So there are certain ingredients that are like my go-tos. Um, to help to restore skin barrier and, and manage the microbiome of the skin and reduce that um, that yeast microbe that that stimulates dermatitis. Mm. Um, so when it comes to sort of the the perioral dermatitis again, um, sometimes that can be almost like a folliculitis where that yeast is actually involved. I can never pronounce it properly. It's like Malassezia yeast. Malas yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. And that can, that can be one, you know, when the immune system's compromised, it can also be when the, and that's going to affect the microbiome of the skin, but it can also be just changes to the microenvironment of the skin where there's an increase in humidity, which is why, you know, sometimes we see it more with, with mask wearers, um, oily skin as well will be more prone to it in those oilier areas and you see that in say seborrheic dermatitis when there's that um, redness and almost flaking of the skin there can be an overgrowth of, of the yeast as well um, 
that would be when I'd be looking at nutrients and, and gut support as well for more seborrheic dermatitis. Um, but when we're seeing sort of around the mouth, the redness and the irritation, we can also see, you know, when people are at the gym, for instance, sweating excessively, the sweat, excess oil, that can be a fuel source for the, the yeast in the skin. Um, and so that's something to be aware of. So if you're seeing people with even, you know, back knee and things like that or acne on the back and breakouts, sometimes it's actually more of a folliculitis and they need to make sure that when they're working out, they're really making sure they're removing that excess sweat and not leaving it on the skin. Same with the face as well um, because in some people it could aggravate flare-ups as well. That's an excellent point. Um, you know, managing your skin after the gym, you know, removing that excess sweat is very important because the environment then becomes more acidic. So we want to restore that skin barrier to a nice place to help to manage the condition. Um, some strategies I have in place for clients that are wearing masks at work all the time, um, if they get the chance every time they change their mask, I get them to do a quick cleanse. Um, and, and just reapply um, the product, even if they don't get time to cleanse, just reapply their products that I have prescribed for them because then when they put the mask back on, that really does help to keep the skin in a better place and reduce inflammation. And it's a much better way of tackling it rather than being eight hours in a mask and then having to deal with it. So, you know, it can be frustrating, it's time consuming, but this is the best way to handle it. Absolutely. And then looking at the products that they're using that may be actually making it worse or, or irritating it. Sometimes with the perioral dermatitis, particularly around the mouth, you know, something very basic, but you would look at things like toothpaste. I can't tell you the amount of people that brush their teeth and get toothpaste around the mouth. If you think about toothpaste, it contains things like menthol, peppermint, um, fluoride, sodium lauryl sulfate, um, all of these things can be irritants to the skin, particularly when they're left on the skin. And if you're not washing it off properly, then that could potentially be affecting the skin barrier and, and breaking down the skin barrier. So that can cause that redness and irritation. Sometimes it can be something as simple as just don't get toothpaste around your mouth. And if you do, just make sure you wash it off really well. Um, also looking at cleansers as well. I find the cleansers that have got the really harsh surfactants and high amounts of surfactants that aren't balanced out with more conditioning agents, that can be problematic, particularly your foaming type cleansers or not washing them off properly. I know you and I are both aligned with cleansing and most people don't cleanse properly and they're just splashing water on their face to remove the cleanser and we're fans of the good old washcloth to make sure you're really wiping off any residue of cleanser something as simple as that can also make a big difference too yes exactly um just the way that we cleanse and and physically removing that residue of cleanser is very important um, and the type of cleanser, the type of products, the actives that we're then having to take out of the client's skincare routine and introducing those ingredients to help to manage the inflammation to prevent flare-ups. I've seen um, perioral dermatitis show up with clients that are going through hormone, hormonal changes. Um, so not only connected to our immune system, but hormones. I've yep. seen it show up a lot in pregnancy 
um, you know, so same strategies apply. It's about using the right topicals to help to manage that inflammation and restore the microbiome of the skin, you know, regardless of whatever factor um, it is for that person, for that client on a personal level that's triggering it. And the ironic thing about skin as well, I find when people have more skin issues, like inflammation of the skin or dermatitis of the skin, the ironic thing is people then think they need more skincare and they need more actives and it's a complete opposite. We need to really reduce um, the actives being used on the skin because quite often things like hydroxy acids, um, also your real you know, vitamin C, particularly the L-ascorbic acid form, more oil-soluble forms tend to be a little bit more gentle on the skin, but L-ascorbic tends to be more acidic um it needs to be used in higher amounts that can be problematic for dermatitis type skins your hydroxy acids will as well and even with niacinamide even though we know it can really help with skin barrier niacinamide depending on the product that you're recommending when it's in really high amounts or if that company has used a very cheap niacinamide it can be quite high in nicotinic acid, which can cause irritation, flushing of the skin. So it does always frustrate me when brands recommend, you know, 15% niacinamide. We know the evidence for niacinamide is between 2 and 5%. Um, and so when they're putting it in really high amounts, I then question, one, the quality of the niacinamide, and two, you know, you are going to increase the risk of skin irritation or skin response when you're going in, in higher amounts. So that's something to be aware of as well. There are different quality niacinamides out there. Some may be beneficial, but others may be more irritating. Excellent point. Um, I know when I'm working with treating peril dermatitis in the clinic, I do prescribe niacinamide. But the one that I have in a clinic, in the clinic, is a 4%. Um, I use depanthenol, that's a 5%. Another ingredient which can be really good is superoxide dismutase, antioxidants, um, to help reduce inflammation. That one I've got is a 2%. Um, aloe vera is another really good ingredient. So there are, and, and obviously um, a probiotic for skin topically as well. I've got lactopeptide, which is a really good ingredient. So there are some go-tos that work really, really well. Um, but like you said, removing those those actives in skincare is very, very, very important to help manage this condition. You won't get a result unless you do. You need to make the changes. For sure. And even things like your vitamin A, when the skin's irritated, that's not something I would be introducing. It's more stripping back to a really, really gentle cleanser, um, basic moisturiser with those anti-inflammatory type actives. I do love the Bs, B3, B5, um, are great for those sort of more reactive skin types. But again, it does depend on the, the individual formulation as to how effective it's going to be. And with the lesions that come along with perioral dermatitis, you'll see those tiny, tiny little white little bumps. Um, I've had clients try to squeeze them because they think it's a, a breakout acne you know, situation going on. So any advice to, or some advice to everyone is please don't squeeze them. Um, you'll make the situation a lot worse. And sometimes when you see the little white bumps, that to me is more of a sign of the, um, that imbalance in the microbiome and that increase in the yeast. 
And so that is when you don't want to be using those really acidic products. You don't want to be using really rich, heavy, occlusive type products because the yeast actually feed off the the oils and the the sweat. Um, So that's when really sort of oil-based products wouldn't be beneficial. And a lot of people then do use the oil-based products because they think that's going to be more protective. So that could sometimes flare it up. Um, And also that may be when that person would be recommended antifungal type medication to really help get that under control because using, say, an antibiotic wouldn't be as effective in that instance. And sometimes it can actually come up after a course of antibiotics and a lot of courses of antibiotics so when the um, microbiome is compromised that is when more opportunistic pathogens can take hold like the the yeast and then that can start to have an overgrowth if you like so that's when medication may actually be required and that's when you would need referral to a dermatologist. Yes, absolutely. And I've seen some clients that have had long-term use of antibiotics, um, oral antibiotics for various reasons, can then be another trigger for the perioral dermatitis to show up again. Best way to explain it to clients sometimes is I use the analogy of when um, women get candida, you know, they, they, they get thrush. It's that overgrowth of that bacteria that happens in that area. Similar thing happens on our skin. So we have lots of yeast, we have lots of viruses, different types of microorganisms that live on our skin. So it's just the overgrowth of that bad one. So we need to bring that skin back to a place of balance in exactly the same way we need to treat candida. Yep. So yeah. And it's and it's the yeast is the one that's overgrowing. But all of these microbes, you know, they only become pathogenic when they become out of balance. So it's not like we want to completely wipe them out. It's they can all live in harmony together. It's when some of the the more beneficial ones, if you like, may become a little bit dormant, and then the the more pathogenic ones—they're only pathogenic when they're out of control—take um, hold, and that's when there may be more anti antifungals required, and that's why, as you know, and I know you are passionate about it as well gut health plays a huge role because what goes on in the gut will also affect the body systemically and it will also affect the skin microbiome as well. So whenever there's a type of dermatitis, I would always look at nutrient levels, check the diet to make sure somebody is getting enough you know, iron, zinc, vitamin D and B vitamins as well because dermatitis can often be... Um, linked to not enough B vitamins as well because we we need that for healthy skin barrier. So checking all of those things and making sure they're getting those things in the diet. Then also supporting the gut health. So we know, you know, reducing those ultra-processed foods, the refined carbohydrates, giving the gut, the gut microbiome, the necessary fuel to be able to um, work at its optimum. And that's really coming from those plant foods that are high in prebiotics and polyphenols. And so that is when I would recommend to um, boost with, say, the the Purity Greens with with Vitasol or or a prebiotic. Um, And also the Amigas, because with Amigas, we know that they are anti-inflammatory particularly the omega-3 so 
that's also going to help. And then your omega-6 um, can also be anti-inflammatory and help support skin barrier too if you get the, the plant form of omega-6. That's exactly the strategy we use in clinics. So the purity is the go-to, the omegas, the vitasol omegas make a huge difference. Um, and, and I know it's frustrating sometimes for clients because they just want quick relief. But this really is the best way to manage it and to treat it. You know, this integrative approach of looking at the internal side as well as topical products and treatments in clinic, this is the most um, fundamental way to treat it. But those clients that have gone down the road and used topical steroids, um, you know, that does give quick relief. However, my advice is be aware of long-term use of topical steroids because you will go down the road of um, steroid withdrawal um, the dermatitis will come back and with a vengeance and will show up in different areas. So you can go down the road of another cascade of events. Um, so, so this strategy that we use, you know, both of us in, in clinic and in our practice is, is really is the best way to manage it. And I think the steroid um, withdrawal is quite, quite well known now that usually that would be the, not the way to go because it can actually make it, make it worse. Um, and I think it is important that people do do realise that because if you have ever experienced steroid withdrawal or seen it, it can be quite horrendous. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It is debilitating um, in, in how it impacts the skin. For those clients that have had topical steroid usage from when they were a child, you know, if they've had dermatitis or, or eczema, for example, since they were younger and they've been using steroids topically for years and years. The, the things that go on with the skin when they get older is horrendous. Um, the skin is so compromised, so dry, so thin, so reactive, sensitive, vascular, um, dermatitis everywhere. So yeah, it, it's not an enjoyable road for the client to go through. Yeah. And that would be sort of last resort but the exciting thing is there's a lot of good things we can do topically and also lifestyle and diet. Um, I don't think people realise how debilitating stress is and, you know, you don't necessarily have to feel stressed to be stressed. Um, sometimes we're just on this hamster wheel of, of busyness that we don't actually realise how stressed we may be and that can have a huge effect on the way that the skin responds and even on our immune system, on our gut health. So always trying to recognise stress and look at ways to cope and manage is a big thing. I'm a big fan of yoga, as you know. Um, but a lot of people will manage stress by alcohol. I can't tell mm -hmm. you how many people every night drink alcohol. Um, it's quite frightening to me. I really noticed it actually, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but when I moved to Australia, the, the drinking seems to be a very cultural thing here. You know, you have a drink and then if you're not drinking, people sort of ask, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want to drink? Have you got a drinking problem? Um, it's like, no, I just don't want to be putting that in my body. Thank you very much. Now and again, I will have a glass of wine perhaps, um, but very rarely actually, it's not something I would ever consider doing every night, um, not even every week, but people do. And I think it's important to be aware that alcohol really, it can affect the immune system, it's going to affect the gut in a negative way, um, it can deplete nutrients. It is actually a toxin. I mean, the liver has to process alcohol and the liver recognises it as a toxin. So 
it has an effect on so many different areas of the body, it is going to promote, um, you know, if we've got inflammatory skin conditions, it, it will aggravate that or make it make it worse. And I don't think people realise how, um, you know, alcohol can actually increase the risk of cancer as well, um, particularly, you know, for women, things like breast cancer. And I, I just don't think people are aware of that. Yeah, and, and, you know, people sometimes do look to alcohol to give them that relaxation side of things, but it is a huge driver for any form of inflammation in the skin or in the body as well. You know, it completely disrupts our gut ecosystem. So, you know, it doesn't mean you can never have a drink again. We're not trying to yeah. sound all negative here. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I probably was a bit harsh. <laughs> that's all right. I'm pretty passionate about this. I'm, I have alcohol incredibly rare, rarely. Um, and if I do, it's one and that's enough for me. And I stick to the same drink. But yep. it's a very rare occasion for me. My friends know what I'm like yep. because I don't want to deal with the consequences of that. So, you know, working really hard on your skin, investing the money in your treatments and your products, you want to get the experience out of that, and and if you're uh, if you are drinking alcohol regularly, it, it's a huge, huge, um, I guess, negative impact on skin health in general. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, balance moderation is key. It's more when you're drinking every night and you're using that as a stress relief. Um, it's just about being aware that it's probably not helping the stress. In fact, it's probably raising cortisol levels and um, affecting your sleep and having a knock-on effect. So it's looking at strategies to be able to um, look at alternatives, you know, alternative ways to relax rather than rely on the alcohol. But at, at the same time, you know, go out and have the odd drink now and again and have some fun. <laughs> I, don't mean to, I don't mean to be a complete killjoy. Um, You've you got to... <laughs> <laughs> you've got to have the odd bit of fun and as I say you know balance and moderation it's not about you know can't ever have it but just be aware that it it will definitely not help particularly if you do have things like candida or you do have things like dermatitis and that type of thing it it won't be helping in that regard I think you're fun Fiona <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't mind going out with you to Nobu. That was a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> we can have fun. We can have fun. We don't have to get trashed. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it just comes down to understanding your own personal drivers. You'll know yourself what your triggers are, you know, a hormonal thing, stress thing, you know, whatever the case may be, but really fundamentally getting back to that diet and lifestyle um, internal support, topical support to get you through that period where it is quite inflamed and then learning strategies to avoid flare-ups again. And and that's how we educate clients in the clinic, you know. Um, everyone's got their own personal triggers. Absolutely. And then also I do encourage people, if you, ha if you don't get regular blood checks, I do recommend having a, an annual blood check and getting things like your vitamin D levels, your iron levels checked, um, your B12 levels as well. That's really important because it can affect your immune system as well. General health and well-being can affect our skin. Um, also look at what potential those triggers may be, whether it may be something that is a contact irritant that may need removing because if, if it isn't an allergy type response then the only way to deal with that is to remove the allergen and I have had people in the past when they're like I've got a an allergy to um you know acrylic nails for instance and I said well the only way to really get on top of that is to not have the acrylic nails unfortunately you 
you're not going to be able to use any cream or anything. If it's a true allergy, then we've got to remove that allergen to be able to get the best results. Um, Sometimes people don't like to hear that, but unfortunately that is the reality. I think as well, look at the skincare routine and simplify it and pair it right, right back. You quite often see memes on Instagram and people saying, you know, my husband just uses a a cleanser and a moisturiser and has got great skin and then I've got this long long drawn out 10 step routine and my skin's a mess and I'm thinking well why do you think that might be (laughs) that's so true because you know more isn't necessarily better you know you need those ingredients that um, are prescribed for your skin you know and it doesn't mean you have to have 100 products at home it's just about using what your skin needs uh, and everyone is so different And things like contact dermatitis, I do see a lot of that around the eyes in particular. Um, And it looks very different to perioral dermatitis Mm -hmm. or seborrheic dermatitis. Um, I've seen that show up more with clients during winter if they're using their um, facial products, facial cleanser on their eyes. um, It can be extremely irritating. Um, So not only the allergic response uh, with that, but also topical products that can be irritating your eye area. So eye area needs to be treated separately to the rest of the face yep unless it's a product that's designed to be used around the eye and the face because there are cleansers out there now that you can actually use around the eyes um so again it does depend on the the product and what it's actually designed to do Mm, correct yeah so i think in a nutshell it's important to first of all understand what the triggers and the causes are um understand what we're actually trying to effectively manage because if it's say an overgrowth of a a particular yeast on the skin then that may need more medical intervention um, and it will need to be managed differently to say um, an irritant contact dermatitis for instance so we need to understand first and foremost what we're dealing with need to get lifestyle diet in check we need to pair back that skincare routine um, and always talk to an expert to make sure you have got the right skincare regime for your your particular skin excellent advice i love it i think it's going to help a lot of clients that experience this condition let's hope so great to chat to you rose always chatting i always love chatting to you too fiona talk to you soon (laughs) 